Hi guys, welcome back to the podcast. Today on the podcast, we are going to be talking about drawing and handwriting development. We're going to review some of the developmental milestones of which some of these drawing and writing skills should be achieved at. Uh, And I might throw in a couple tools and strategies and ideas to help development in different stages. Really want to focus on the actual milestones that we should be looking for. But of course, I want to give you some little tricks, tools, strategies, and maybe in a later podcast, we can really dive into handwriting and pre-writing and drawing development and how to work on those skills. As with any other area of development, remember that the skills that a child achieves kind of falls on a spectrum. And so I'm going to be giving you age recommendations that these skills are typically achieved at or that you're typically seeing at. But remember, for every kid, every student, it's a little bit different. So just keep that in mind that there's a lot of gray space in what we're talking about today. All right, let's get to it. Hello, I'm Marissa, a certified, licensed, and practicing pediatric occupational therapist. And this is OT with Marissa. Here we will review common terminology and topics, chat about daily OT practices, and provide simple but effective tools and strategies you can implement with the child or children in your life. Whether you're thinking about a career in occupational therapy, or a current student, new grad, or seasoned therapist, my hope is this podcast has something to offer you to learn, grow, and be the best therapist you can. I'm so happy you're here. So drawing and handwriting skills have a lot of foundational elements to them. And some of these foundational pieces include gripping skills, which we talked about in the last podcast. Obviously, as grasp development and fine motor skills starts to develop, the the ability that a child has to draw more intricate drawings or draw different letters That's going to improve as they're able to use different writing utensils and as they're able to have more controlled motor movements. Some other foundational pieces that go into drawing, pre-writing, writing writing skills, we're kind of encompassing this all, all together, also includes vision skills and utilizing vision skills and fine motor skills together in hand-eye coordination, that visual motor integration, as well as the ability to use both of the hands together, right? One hand has to control and manipulate the writing utensil while the other hand is stabilizing the paper. That also leads into postural control and the position that our body is in while we're drawing or writing. That has a huge impact on the development of some of those skills. So does motor planning. So how are we planning out what we're seeing? And proprioceptive control, using the right amount of force and being able to sense where those muscles in, in, in relation to the utensil and the paper and some of the other tools we might be using, as well as some executive skills like sustained attention. And as we get into some of the older grades, working memory, some of that visual memory, 
sequence saying there's a lot of underlying skills. So I just first want to preference that if you are working with a student, I say student because usually you're working on some of these writing and pre-writing skills within the school setting, but really in any setting you can work on these skills. So if you're working with a child on some of these skills, just make sure you're super mindful in what elements, what foundational elements are really what's being challenged or what's really the underlying issue here that's affecting handwriting. Also keep in mind that different children have different learning abilities. So some learners may not really need to be directly taught how to make some of these pre-writing strokes or how to draw or how to form their letters necessarily. Sometimes it can be picked up kind of through osmosis or observing other people, other students in their, in their environment. Whereas other learners will really need to be directly taught and be provided different levels of support to be successful. So drawing skills and pre-writing skills really start to develop about a, at about a year old, so 12 months old. This is when maybe the infant is starting to handle writing utensils, like some chalk or a crayon or something like that. And they're just starting to make little scribbles on paper. They're maybe about an inch long. We're just playing here. It's an exploratory phase. Maybe this is on a sheet of paper. Maybe it's, you know, different areas of the house, like walls or something like that. But this is really an exploratory stage. I don't necessarily think that we should be kind of forcing this stage yet, we really want to make sure that some of the skills we talked about when we talked about grasping skills and developing the palmer arches and making sure that we have good manipulations and, and the ability to do different refined pinch skills with our fingers are first developed before we jump right into holding a writing utensil. But this is when you're going to start to see that exploration of a writing utensil in those little scribbles. At between 15 to 18 months old, those scribbles start to turn into more uh, like form, formed lines. So you might see some uncontrolled motor movements while the, the infant is starting to make these lines, sort of. It's not a defined straight line, but we're developing a little bit more control in utilizing the writing utensil and... Our scribbles are becoming a little bit more intentional here. Between 15 and 18 months, you might also start to see some imitation of spontaneous scribbles. So if you pick up the crayon and you start scribbling on the paper and then set the crayon down, you might then see them reach for the crayon and start to make some scribbles. So they're imitating you and there's a little bit more purpose behind the fact that they're scribbling. Around 19 months to about two years, uh, right at about that two-year mark, is when you should start to really see infants start to imitate, well, I guess they're almost toddlers now, start to imitate vertical strokes and some horizontal strokes as well. 
So some ways that you can promote the vertical stroke is putting whatever uh, medium you're using, right? So if it's a paper and crayons or if it's finger paint or food or whatever medium you're playing in at an angle. So gravity is sort of supporting here. You're also working on a little bit of wrist extension, but gravity is starting to support the line going downward. So you can start to develop that vertical stroke writing on walls. I've recommended like whiteboards or chalkboards on a fridge, something something fun, right? Other than just utilizing paper. At about two years old, you might also start to see some circular loops. It's not a defined circle yet, but we're developing those precursors of being able to write a circle. So we've got some vertical lines, so lines going up and down, horizontal lines, lines going side to side, and then some circular movements as well. And I would recommend at this stage, if we're starting to see some vertical lines or some horizontal lines, if you can help help a, a child out and help them develop those vertical strokes starting at the top and going down and the horizontal strokes starting at the left and moving to the right, only because when we move into pre-writing strokes and eventually handwriting skills, that's the direction those lines are typically formed. So again, this is imitation, meaning that you are forming it first and they're watching your movement. So you're assisting in that motor planning ability. So at two years old, they're imitating those strokes and beginning to make those circular loops on papers. At about two and a half to three years old is when they're able to copy some of those shapes. So copy means that you kind of give them that image in front of them without showing them the direction or the way that you drew it. And they're able to copy or replicate the vertical line, the horizontal line, as well as start to make more definitive circles. So up until now, some of these movements uh, that, that the child's using while they're drawing or scribbling are more uh, whole body movements. So they're incorporating their elbow, their whole hand, and is, isn't until about four years old that you're really starting to see more of that hand-eye coordination and some more movement at the wrist. At about four years old, a child is typically able to copy a cross. So start at the top, straight line down, so that vertical line, jump over and make that horizontal line left to right, hopefully, as well as a square. So again, we're just playing around with vertical and horizontal lines and piecing them together to make different shapes. As we get closer to five years old, then that's when we're starting to see a triangle and that X shape. And these are a little bit more challenging because they're diagonal lines, so you're crossing midline. And this can be really challenging for kids. And you, if you work in a school specifically, you might see that these diagonal shapes or shapes that have diagonal lines can be really tricky um, for some kids. But typically at about five years old is when we're starting to form them. Between four and five years old, you could also start to put some of those shapes together that the child's making to draw a person. So, you know, maybe a basic line or, or a box for the body with a circle head and then some arms and legs 
sticking out. It doesn't mean this person figure is in proportion um, or is proportionate, but we're starting to put these pieces together to, to make um, things that a child has maybe seen before. Around five years old is also when you should see hand dominance be established. One way that I like to work on hand dominance is during a drawing activity, place the utensil, whatever writing utensil the child's using in the middle of the paper, so not leaning towards one side or the other. And whatever hand they initially grab that utensil with, promote them using that hand for the duration of that task. The next time that they're working on a drawing task, do the same thing. Place the utensil in front of them. If they grab it with the other hand, great, they're exploring. They're seeing which hand feels comfortable. Same thing, have them finish out that task with that hand. Usually the child will determine what hand feels more comfortable. And you can also see which hand this, the child is performing better using. And then from there, you can either promote continued use of that hand or the child will start to spontaneously initiate the use of just one hand. But at about five years old, you really should start to see one hand taking precedence over the other. Also at five years old, uh, you can begin practicing formations of the letters of that child's name. So typically you would start with capital letters as it incorporates many of those basic shapes that they already have learned, those pre-writing shapes. Be mindful here though, based on the student's name, they have a longer name or there's more complex letters in their names like R's or S's or Q's or something like that. It may take them a little bit longer to write their name. At about six years old is when children should typically be able to write um, their name. Especially if you're giving them a model, they should be able to copy it for sure. They should also begin to write the alphabet in capital letters and should be able to write all 26 letters of the alphabet in sequence without omitting any letters. And this is something to also be mindful about if you're in kindergarten or first grade, just think about exposure and home support in this developmental skill. If there's some support at home and they've been exposed to these writing abilities, yes, this milestone you should be seeing success in at about six years old. But exposure can play a huge role in their ability to write all of those letters. Now, some schools will teach both uppercase letters and lowercase letters simultaneously. Well, sometimes students will learn uppercase letters first and then lowercase letters. So the developmental recommendation here for uppercase versus lowercase letters, it's not very definitive. It was actually kind of hard to find specific developmental milestones for each. But there's a lot of information out there and a lot of controversy regarding do we teach them simultaneously? Do we teach lowercase letters first? Do we teach capital letters first? The rule I'm pausing here because um, it's not really a clear-cut answer. And different research is showing different things. But the general rule of thumb and what the majority of occupational therapists will recommend is that you teach capital letters first, 
and then lowercase letters, and there's various reasons for that. This could change based on the individual child and what they're needing to learn to be successful, but more times than not, capital letter or uppercase letter formation is developed before lowercase letter formation. Also between five and six years old, you start to see drawings become more realistic. So they're a little stick figure box person between the age of four and five, now might have hair or glasses or clothing or we're using appropriate colors to represent the color of their jeans or their shirt or their hair or their skin or something like that. We also start to see more drawing of familiar objects like rainbows or horses, cars, houses, that sort of thing. Again, these things might not quite be proportionate and that's just because visual perception skills haven't quite been fully developed at this time. At seven years old is when a child should be able to write all of their capital letters in sequence as well as their lowercase letters and they should be able to differentiate the difference between the two. Also at seven years old, a child should no longer be reversing letters of the alphabet, like your common letters, B's, D's, um, P, Q, G's, those letters that more commonly get reversed shouldn't be getting reversed anymore because at seven years old is when visual perception skills really, um, they're developed fully enough where these things should not be happening. Also at seven years old, is when we start to see some basic writing mechanics. So a capital at the beginning of a sentence, capital for a student's name, and a period or a basic punctuation at the end of a sentence is what you should be seeing. You wouldn't expect them to use capitals at the beginning of all proper nouns or use a variety of different punctuation marks. But the basics of a capital at the beginning of a sentence and a period at the end is definitely something that you should be expecting them to do and you should also be modeling for them. Also at seven years old, you're starting to see some unique drawing styles. So your child's artwork, if it's lying on a table next to their peers, you're able to pick it out based on some of their unique styles. You're also starting to see drawings with perspective. So a tree is bigger than a house, which is bigger than a person, which is bigger than, you know, their pet dog or something like that. As we move on past seven years old and into this like pre-adolescent and um, adolescent stage of life, you typically will start to see more patterns and unique artistic style during drawing tasks as well as you know really unique individualized handwriting um, patterns so you know maybe we're making little loops for our y's or we're dotting our eyes with hearts or whatever it is and i just say Promote some conversation around this and some positive praise in this ability as, you know, students are a little bit vulnerable in their writing and drawing abilities and really hold space for individuals' unique styles. You know, ask questions and compliment and things like that because when a, when a child feels good about what they're doing, they're going to work harder at it 
And that benefits everybody, um, but mostly themselves and their and their success moving forward. All right, so just a quick review of some of our pre-writing strokes before we wrap up this podcast. You're first seeing scribbling, then vertical lines, horizontal lines, circles, crosses, squares, then your triangles and X's. And then I didn't mention this one earlier, but those diamond-like shapes. And one fun way that you can kind of remember this is if you stack those shapes on top of each other, they actually form a person. So if you have like two vertical lines with a horizontal line, you start to build almost like a, a top hat. Then a circle underneath is the face. Then you've got a, a cross kind of as like a neck. A square which represents the body and then you can draw diagonal lines sticking out of that square as your arms and then either some triangles or diamond like shapes underneath your square. If you draw two of them they look like legs. So it's just a nice little visual for you if you're trying to memorize the order of your pre-writing strokes. Anyways, all right, that's what I have for you guys today. Short, sweet, to the point. Again, remember that development's on a spectrum. So depending on the different site uh, source that you're using, you might see some of the developmental stages fluctuate a couple of months. And that's perfectly fine because when you're looking at development in kids, it does fluctuate a couple of months or even by a year or so. If you have been listening to the podcasts and you've been liking them or maybe you have some specific feedback like, hey, you could do this to make the sound better or, hey, you know, it'd be really nice if you structured things this way or uh, whatever it is, uh, constructive feedback uh, or just a kind word saying that you're liking it and me spending, you know, time looking up resources and research and putting my thoughts together and starting to say something on the audio and tripping over my words and deleting that that little clip and starting again. You know, even though the podcast is like 20 minutes, it's taken me about over an hour to record this. So um, if you're liking it or you have some good feedback for me, if you could leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you're listening to this, preferably Apple Podcasts because that system for me on the back end is just a lot easier to manage. And I do think most of my listeners are um, Apple Podcast listeners versus Spotify. But if you could please leave me a review or reach out to me on my Instagram, it's at OT underscore with underscore Marissa. And just say, hey, I'm listening or, you know, could you do a podcast on this soon? Or, you know, I kind of had a question about that or whatever it is. I'd love to connect with you, hear from you and get a little bit of feedback um, and momentum moving forward. All right, wherever you find yourself today, whatever physical location, whatever emotional space you are in, I hope that you find some time for yourself and I hope that you are well. All right, talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. 
As a reminder, this podcast is not medical advice and does not replace the potential need for skilled and individualized therapeutic services. Please consult your pediatrician or occupational therapist for specific questions about your child. Similarly, these are my personal and professional views and opinions. If something I say does not feel right to you or is different from what you have learned, please follow your own intuition and learning quest. And remember, science and language are always changing and growing. I will try my best to stay as up-to-date as possible, but I myself am always learning. If you have any follow-up questions or requests for future podcasts, feel free to reach out to me on my Instagram at ot underscore with underscore Marissa. See you soon.